0: Welcome to Engineering Misjudgment with me, Shannon. I have a degree in chemical engineering and work as a risk consultant engineer. Eventually, I will tell you more about me, but today is not that day. Today, our topic is NOAA. If you've listened before, you already know. But if you're new here, hello. This is Alphabet Soup, where I talk about organizations that are important to the longer case episodes that I do If I was more organized, I would pair these episodes with case episodes where they're mentioned, but I don't do that. I just think of science and engineering adjacent groups, and I talk about them. So the full name of NOAA is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, but it's shortened to NOAA, which is spelled out N-O-A-A. I've never heard anyone call the organization N-O-A-A, most people just say the letters as if it's a word. NOAA is based in D.C., and their building is in Federal Triangle, like the EPA. Other offices within NOAA are located in Silver Springs, Maryland, which is a little bit outside of D.C., from what I understand. The mission of NOAA, according to their official website, is to understand and predict changes in climate, weather, oceans, and coasts to share that knowledge and information with others, and to conserve and manage coastal and marine ecosystems and resources. NOAA's vision of the future is resilient ecosystems, communities, and economies, and healthy ecosystems, communities, and economies that are resilient in the face of change. I love the use of the word resilient. If you know, you know. NOAA's slogan or shorter mission is science, service, and stewardship. So a lot of the times when you see their logo, they'll have those three words kind of listed outside it. Under each part of the mission and vision, NOAA explains how they embody each part, which is a little bit different than what I've seen researching other agencies. NOAA is an agency within the Department of Commerce. This placement in the Department of Commerce seems so random. I would have not guessed that that's where it was or that's what it operates out of. I definitely would have guessed the Department of Interior because that just seems to make more sense. So how did NOAA end up in the Department of Commerce? Well, before we get to that, it's going to make more sense if we just talk about how NOAA was founded. The organization did not get its official title until the 1970s, but has 200 years of history as other names. NOAA claims to be the oldest science agency in the U.S., and they do a lot to prove that on their website. From NOAA, in 1807, President Thomas Jefferson founded the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey, also known as the Survey of the Coast, to provide nautical charts to maritime communities for safe passage into American ports and along our extensive coastline. The Weather Bureau. Was founded in 1870, and one year later, the U.S. Commission of Fish and Fisheries was founded. Individually, these organizations were America's first physical science agency, America's first agency dedicated specifically to atmospheric sciences, and America's first conservation agency. So that's what Noah says about their history. I just want to make a side note here. I don't respect any presidents because they are all war criminals, and a lot of them were slave owners, but And this is embarrassing for me to admit, for obvious reasons. Monticello, Thomas Jefferson's Monticello, is gorgeous. One of my top American places to visit. I love it as like a tourist spot. It is what it is. Thomas Jefferson, on the other hand, I have opinions, obviously. Anyway, so all of these agencies were brought together in 1970 by Nixon and his administration and Congress. Another side note, I cannot get away from Nixon. I feel like I've been talking about him a lot, and he just seemed to do a lot of science stuff. As an Aquarius rising myself, before I looked, I knew that Nixon had a lot of Aquarius in his chart. And I was correct. He has a lot of Aquarius and he has a lot of Earth signs. He's just deliberately a weirdo. So even though it doesn't make sense that he did all this environmental stuff, at the same time, to me, it does kind of make sense. I'm not gonna admit that Nixon was an environmentalist because I feel like that would be an incorrect record of the history. He was just going with the political winds and happened to consolidate our most of our environmental government agencies in the US. Nixon personally, and this was on the record, did not like environmentalism or the movement. But if I don't credit him, or we don't credit him, we have to credit Congress. And I'm not doing that either. The 70s was just a weird time, so everyone was just kind of going with the environmental thing. So in 1970, when Nixon did this whole consolidation of NOAA, he put it into the Department of Commerce because he was upset with the current secretary at the time, Wally Hickel. Wally apparently has something to say about Nixon and how he was handling the Vietnam War opposition. And after Kent State, Wally wrote a letter to Nixon like, bam, chill, you're doing too much. The kids are making sense, relax. And Nixon being Nixon, who is a drama queen, he was like, F you, I'm putting no one in the Department of Commerce and you're fired. Just on his like Nixon BS, so now Noah is in the Department of Commerce. Men are so dramatic, and like CC, my favorite TikToker says, we have to start asking why men act that way. We have to start asking that question. Presidents have tried to reorganize, but some argue that Noah's positioning gives them more power to be annoying at the Department of Commerce. If it was moved to say interior, the organization may have less power to have an impact based on the fact that they aren't in an economic center department and any type of like squabbles that they would have in like in a Department of Interior would just be kind of like an internal thing so they don't really get as much power. So that's kind of the argument from moving it to interior and it still to this day exists in the Department of Commerce. So what does the day-to-day operations look like at NOAA? Let's start with the budget. in 2022? The budget request was $6,983,329,000, which is $1,542,531,000 more than their 2021 budget. So they did ask for a pretty significant increase. The organization is a bit different from other agencies we've talked about before, the official title of the top person, they have two names instead of just administrator. They have the name or title Undersecretary of Commerce for Oceans and Atmosphere and NOAA Administrator, and that's from their function of being in the Department of Commerce. Currently, the person that holds the top spot is Dr. Richard W. Spindard. Before his time at NOAA, Dr. Spindard Spenrad was a professor. Of oceanography and senior advisor to the vice president of research at oregon state university under the top spot there are advisors and heads of different parts of the agency with lots of advanced degrees i mean everyone is an academic almost everyone has a doctor or phd designations behind their names so very much stacked NOAA has over 12 thousand employees with staff, corporate, and in-line offices. Line offices are the main way we, the public, interact with NOAA. Line offices include National Marine Fisheries Service, National Ocean Service, National Environmental Satellite Data and Information Service, Oceanic Atmospheric Research, National Weather Service, and The Office of Marine and Aviation Operations and NOAA Corps, which is all one office. I'm not going to talk about all the offices, but I do want to add details about the one that you may recognize from the list, which is the National Weather Service, also known as the National, also known as NWS. And they are the greatest of all time. (laughs) I mean, we use it every day. The mission, their mission, is to provide weather, water, and climate data forecasts, warnings, and impact-based decisions, support services for the protection of life and property, and enhancement of the national economy. Of course, they always have to have that economy piece because they are in the Department of Commerce. They have a vision of a weather-ready nation. They want us to be ready to go whenever we need to. Just within the NWS, there are 4,900 employees. 122 weather forecast offices, 13 river forecast centers, and nine national centers and other stuff all across the country. So they have all the support. Another line office that does a lot of work that I know of is the Office of Oceanic and Atmospheric Research, which is normally shortened to OR. (laughs) I can't say that word. OR. The stories that they have in this department is something that I really love they do a great job just documenting how their research fellows to where they are and what they actually do um a lot of them get me a little bit emotional because I'm just like wow that could have been me but it isn't we'll get to that in my opinion section The one of the last kind of like articles that I read was called fight or flight by Shelby Johnson and I went in the sources if you want to read it but it's really good and I do think y'all should go check it out they are responsible, so OR is responsible for climate.gov, which is now a place to get science based information on all the climate stuff and everything that's going on, specifically in the US, but also across the world. And it is a great resource if you're looking for that type of stuff. Let's talk about controversy. And this one is one of the ones that has happened in recent times, so you may remember it, but Sharpie Gate technically had a lot to do with Noah. <laughs> for those of you who don't know or don't remember or try to forget that time, the gate was a controversy surrounding the path of Hurricane Dorian. Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas in 2019 and produced record-breaking winds. After that, everyone in the US was like, "Oh shit, like let's keep an eye on this because it's coming for the US next." On September 1st, 2019 at 8:51 p.m. Donald Trump the president at the time tweeted in addition to Florida S- South Carolina North Carolina Georgia and Alabama will most likely be hit much harder than anticipated looking like one of the largest hurricanes ever already category five in all caps be careful God bless everyone very typical Trump tweet so minutes later The National Weather Service from Birmingham, Alabama, one of those branches, put out a tweet that said, Alabama will not, that's in all caps, see any impacts from hashtag Dorian. We repeat, no impacts from hurricane hashtag Dorian will be felt across Alabama. The system will remain too far east. Trump, during this time, after the tweet, made a bunch of comments to the press, kind of like in passing. And every single time said that the hurricane was gonna hit Alabama. He said it like, I think on the White House lawn as he was flying somewhere. He said it at FEMA, just everywhere. And then we get to Wednesday, which is like the real like sharpie part of the story. We get Trump in the overall office with a map of the path of Hurricane Dorian with what appears to be a drawn-on part of the like path. That hit, that hit Alabama. I remember seeing this clip in real time and being like, I just don't think it makes sense to have an extra line like that. Why couldn't you just like use your model to make it encapsulate that if that was true? I, I was looking at it like, I don't know. I haven't looked at that many hurricane models like recently, but I don't think that's right. Hogan Giddeley, who was a White House kind of correspondent, not really correspondent, but I guess communications person, A lot of times you would see him on TV when you didn't see my problematic queen, uh, Kellyanne Conway, doing comms for (laughs) the White House at the time. He tweeted on September 4th, Absolutely right at Donald Trump. Watching the media go ballistic over a black Sharpie mark on a map would be hilarious if it weren't so sad. The real news that matters is a deadly hurricane continues to come up the coast and tens millions of Americans could be greatly impacted. So Trump administration, people are coming out like backing him. Of course, they kind of had to, I think. A fun fact, I know this probably is kind of a crazy time to put this in here. Those hurricane path maps are called spaghetti models or plots. You can use them to forecast, but they aren't the forecast. Meteorologists and people who do weather stuff use their critical thinking skills, all of their education, and other models to communicate what the most likely paths will be. And if you're a person who does research, you'll probably try to check me on this and be like, that's not what spaghetti plots look like. And sure, you're kind of right. Commonly, spaghetti plots have a bunch of different colored lines showing different possibilities of a system. The hurricane ones sometimes jump a step and give you that wide shaded range that comes from a spaghetti plot and all the possible paths so it's the same but different and you know that's important to science communication to like make that explanation and that difference so anyway after everyone sees this of course we respond as the American public by making memes of it because that's what we do we just do that thing some of the memes are really funny what's not funny is how CNN tried to become more relevant using this like whole thing they just kept it going they kept talking about it their stars at the time just would not stop talking about like science integrity and i think that at the time for me i knew that science integrity from the government was probably questionable because of who was running the administration but like cnn was kind of in the wrong and just seemed like they wanted to start beef and in a surprise turn of events so all this is happening we're all memeing it. We're all watching it. NOAA, the parent company of the National Weather Service, puts out a statement. And it is, I just have never seen a statement like this from NOAA. So it reads, From Wednesday, August 28th through Monday, September 2nd, the information provided by NOAA and the National Hurricane Center to President Trump and the wider public demonstrated that tropical storm force winds from Hurricane Dorian could impact Alabama. This is clearly demonstrated in hurricane advisories 15 through 41 which can be viewed at the following link. So of course I followed the link and the link goes to the National Weather Service's Dorian 5-day tropical storm force wind speed probabilities. The probability of a storm force winds from this chart for 39 miles per hour that touch Alabama is 10% or less. Using the key and reading the graph the way that I know how, it was 10% or less. That's important because the chart with the hurricane path cone, with the wind field, so like the other ones with the higher wind fields, don't go anywhere near Alabama, but was done during that time period that one talks about. The higher winds are the ones that's really important because also from the National Weather Service, 39 miles per hour is a moderate wind threat. Might get some broken branches, you might get some trees like kind of falling down, but the roofs flying off that you see that usually happens to a really bad hurricane, that's probably not gonna happen in 39 per hour miles per hour winds, unless you just have like a really shitty roof. I technically know people who could talk more intelligently about this and wind. So if you want to be a guest and you're listening. You know who you are. Just let me know if you want to be on. So the statement doesn't stop there. Noah goes on to say the Birmingham National Weather Service's Sunday morning tweet spoke in absolute terms that were inconsistent with the probabilities from the best forecast products available at the time, which is rude. That's so rude. Noah, your own organization is coming after your regional National Weather Service. Info, if I worked at the National Weather Service in Birmingham, Alabama, I would have been highly offended and been like, well, it's time for me to find a new job because my own parent company is coming after me. After all of this, in the years that follow, kind of now, it was reported by the Washington Post that there was an internal report that was done that investigated all of NOAA's actions during this time and that there were ethics violations for the top two, I think, leaders. But I couldn't find a copy of that report, so I don't know how true that is. I didn't get to actually read the report. Um, And as far as I know, there were no consequences for those top people at the time for this whole, like, Sharpie Gate controversy. So that's that on that, and enough of that. In other controversies, in the late 2000s and early 2010s there was a spike in attacks from congress to many of the science agencies including NOAA the attacks towards NOAA were more frequent because of the organization's involvement in quantifying and providing information about climate change like the organization and the agency doesn't have any more controversy past that that's really specific but there are a lot of articles and a lot of stories about government officials who left NOAA and then kind of gave Climate deniers a pathway to attack Noah. That's kind of all the controversy there. My opinion. So, at the beginning of this podcast, I always say that I will eventually tell you more about me. And this is the moment I tell you a little bit more about me and my relationship with Noah. I'm always going to be nice to the agencies, Noah, because in a roundabout way, they provided me with great personal opportunities. So here's my NOAA story. The top administrator currently developed the National Ocean Sciences Bowl, also shortened as NOSB, and I actually got to participate in this program in high school. NOAA is a main sponsor of the NOSB through their education office. So NOAA gives money to NOSB, but they also have experts as volunteers and facilitators that work at the regional and national bowl events. I got involved with this organization mainly as a resume booster my sophomore year of high school. My high school had a huge general science team that I think had like 60 members because everyone in the STEM program was in it almost. And I wanted to differentiate myself by being a part of the ocean science team Because the ocean science team could only really have 10 people because if you had two teams like a varsity team and a JV team, each team could only have four people compete at a time with one alternate for each team. I got involved. I learned from the current members of the ocean science team, which happened to be a lot of my friends or the people in my grades, older siblings, which was a weird dynamic, but it is what it is. And when they graduated, the organization and the group was kind of handed off to me. And I became the captain junior year kind of by default. So, to be clear, I knew and currently know nothing about ocean science. My strategy was to organize the ocean science team and recruit the smartest people from the bigger science team to participate so that we could win. I mean, I was very much the dumbest person on this team. And as proof, I just want to say that the team members who went to the regional bowl, competed and then went, later went on to nationals, they went to University of Chicago, Duke University and Georgia Tech for engineering science and econ. And then most of them, I think, are either in grad school or in med school. Or I know one specifically, she is at a top five business school and I went to Clemson. Clemson has good academics, but not that good. But I was in charge and I think I did a good job organizing. We practiced, we studied, we had time after school that we did this thing. And I read the only textbook we had on oceanography. We go to our regional bowl, which was the stingray bowl at Savannah State University, and we win. None of us, none of us expected to win and we won. I think this was the first time my high school won. And I'm not sure about that, but I'm pretty sure it is because the trophy, I remember there was a lot of conversation around the trophy, which was this beautiful raindrop. It was just gorgeous. So we go to nationals in Baltimore and I didn't really tell anyone at the time, but this was my first time being on a plane in my whole entire life. And it actually inspired me to start using my Instagram more because Instagram came out in 2010. I think I did this competition maybe around 2012. Um, so I took very like early Insta-style photos of Baltimore, which are really laughable now. Luckily, I figured out how to make them all private so you can't see them on Instagram. Um, so don't try to look them up. So we're at this National Bowl. We don't place, but I meet some of the coolest people that I know to this day. It was so fun. The experts were so nice, sweet, and had a genuine passion for ocean science. They were so committed to making sure everyone had a good time. But they were very important academics. And I didn't know this at the time, but they currently, I don't know what positions they had then. I don't really remember. But some of the faces and names that I saw while I was researching, like I definitely think I met them. And they just treated us like regular people and was so interested in our lives and so committed to helping us succeed, even though we weren't even one of the top teams at Nationals. My biggest professional regret was not looking more into careers at NOAA. I mean, it's never too late, but I do wish I wouldn't have listened to the people who said, getting a degree in marine biology is expensive and useless. Or... Shannon, you can't even swim. Why would you want to do ocean science stuff? I may never get to interact with NOSB or NOAA other than that time, but I am so happy I got the opportunity. I don't know how my high school team is doing now, but the following year, I wasn't able to go to the regional bowl Because I needed to retake the ACT to get a higher score. And side note, I didn't get the higher score I needed for the scholarship. So, again, more regrets. But that second team won again and they went to nationals again. So, hopefully, that ocean science team is like doing okay and like actually, you know, keeping that legacy going because we did end up being a pretty good team with a lot of structure that, you know, helped us win stuff. And the biggest regret. That I have, of course, is not going to nationals a second time. My flex from this whole kind of like saga of my time doing this bowl was one of the photos of the team that I went to with nationals is on the National Ocean Sciences Bowl website. Like on the first page, in the ticker, at the top, where it says compete, you can go see it. Our shirt's really cute. And we were very diverse. So I get why they use the photos still. Um, some of the best photos of me personally was taken at that event. So whoever volunteered for that did such a good job documenting. And I honestly think that's just more proof that everyone was really committed to making a really good event happen. Um, I know they probably still have it up because they just haven't gotten around to updating it, and it is a really nice like photo. But I'm going to take it as a win. (laughs) I'll link the uh, National Ocean Sciences Bowl website in the um, description so y'all can go see it. The increase in the budget for NOAA, I think, is fair as long as they're getting those weather forecasts right. Because I feel like a lot of organizations use that information and it's something that needs to be accurate because it could really determine how people act during a national weather emergency so i think noah having more money is well spent if anyone knows if mermaids exist it's noah so that's kind of my last opinion on that and i will end it there Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episodes. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at ENG misjudgment for photos and send a DM if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Thank you so much for listening. Dumb Sparrow Sparrow. Bye.